Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Dwell on the ideas of, of our prayer life. And to kind of put things together as to what takes place behind the scenes, right? Because we know that prayer is a conversation that we're having with God. And we're asking a spiritual being to impart wisdom, understanding, or to fight on our behalf in the physical. Uh, there, there's a story in Matthew 17, and I know that we've touched base on this a little bit, of the disciples trying to cast out a demon from a man, and they were unsuccessful. Well, when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration with, with James and John and Peter, the disciples come up to Jesus and, and they ask, hey, can, can you do this? And Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you, right? And you come up to Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus says, basically, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, go from here into the ocean and it'll... Do it, because nothing will be impossible to you. And the disciples are perplexed because Jesus speaks to the demon and immediately leaves. And they said, well, why couldn't we do that? Well, Jesus being the Son of God has the power over all things. God spoke the world into existence. Jesus placed the stars in the heavenlies. Jesus is what Scripture tells us in Colossians, holding all things together. But Jesus says this, and it's for us to really take a look at and understand, and that's where we're going to be jumping off of today. Verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. This kind, this this kind of combatant demonic presence, this type of intense battle doesn't go away in your life unless you're what? Praying and fasting. And I want to ask some questions today because I think a lot of times we, in our own life, the person we lie to the most is ourselves. So I want to ask you guys just to kind of throw aside any fronts that you may have. And like I like to say sometimes, let's just get soul naked, okay? We're exposing ourselves to ourself. Have you ever felt like stopping? 
Have you ever felt like your prayers created more problems? Has it ever felt like you needed to stop in your search for answers because they just didn't seem to come? Like you were praying and it just nothing was taking place? It'll be comforting for you to know. Number one, you're not alone in this. And number two, that there is a bigger thing happening that we can't see. Daniel recorded his struggle to, number one, fast and to cry out to God in prayer. And and his struggle in prayer and struggle to understand God's Word and his struggle to just really put this all together. And he's crying out to God and nothing's really happening. And he records the struggle on the other side of things that really we can't see as well. If you have your Bibles, open up to Daniel chapter 6. Excuse me, Daniel chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 to start. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azaris, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. So what is Daniel saying here? He's like, hey listen, Jeremiah has been prophesying. And I get the scrolls of his prophecy and I'm reading it, And now I see, oh my goodness, Jerusalem, Israel, the land that I love. We're in trouble. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek Him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from Your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name in our kings, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Daniel goes to the Lord in this great prayer on behalf of a nation. Daniel didn't do anything here. I mean, if you really read the entire book of Daniel, Daniel's one of the one that stand firm and doesn't go towards the pagan gods of Babylon. Daniel's one of the ones that stands firm and he won't eat the king's food, right? He encourages Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They they all get kidnapped together and taken into Babylon. And those, those boys, 15 to 17 years old, they stand firm. 
But here, what is he doing? He's including himself. He says, God, we've sinned against you. Forgive us. He set himself to observe and understand Jeremiah's book. He says, I need to understand this, God. How do I make this right? How, how can we as a people do this? He wanted to understand God's Word wholly. To observe it and to apply it. To live it. To pay close attention to it. In other words, Daniel wanted to set out to be a doer of God's Word. He didn't want to just hear God's Word. He didn't want to just hear what prophet had said. He wanted to understand it and apply it and live it properly so God would bless his life. And not just his life, the life of Jerusalem. The life of Israel. When he got down on his knees and he began to fast and ask God, God, what is the application what is the message? He fasted because of the seriousness of what he was praying for. God, you're the holy God and we have sinned against you. Notice he includes himself. We have sinned against you, God. Bring us back to you. Lord, forgive us because you show loving kindness to your people. God, I want and I need your attention. Nothing on earth can satisfy what I need right now. No food, no sleep can comfort me. I need to hear your voice and I need you to hear me. I need to connect to you and you alone. That's the seriousness of this prayer. I need to understand your word. Why? Because he's been broken by it. Have you ever come to a passage and you've looked at it and you just felt completely broken by it? Because it's speaking to your sin or your temptation? Or it's speaking to something that you're not doing and you're not living and now you're looking at it and you're saying, oh gosh. Lord, you're speaking to me in this. You're speaking to my soul. You're reaching into me. That's what Daniel was having between him and the Lord right now. He was seeking understanding and he comes across Jeremiah's prophecy. And he's broken. And he's calling out to God to spiritually intervene on behalf of him and his people. Daniel wanted understanding. He was seeking wisdom and understanding and divine intervention. He wanted heaven to move on his behalf. Verse 3, it lets us know. It says, So I gave attention to the Lord God to seek Him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Daniel was getting specific. God, I need you. I don't understand. I want this fixed. 
We've been in a land for so long that's not ours. We've been kidnapped. We've been taken to a language that's not ours. To a religion that's not ours. To a food that's not ours. And Lord, we feel abandoned. I need to know this abandonment. I need to understand it. Daniel calls out to the Lord, praising Him for being so good and righteous and worthy. He says, hey look, God, You, yes, You can can judge us. You're the only one that can judge us. Why? Because Daniel read Scripture and he understood Scripture and he realized the promises of God through Deuteronomy. That if you live in the land and you worship God, the Yahweh above only, then your land would be blessed and your children would be blessed and the land would seek the rain and God would give it and it would be fruitful. But if that didn't take place, God would kick you out. But he concludes with verse 19. Take a look with me. Daniel chapter 9, verse 19. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. Let me ask you, how many people is this? Is this a a group of people coming together in a Bible study praying? Is this a remnant of Israel praying together? Is this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Belshazzar, Daniel coming together and saying, hey, look, we should pray for Israel? Or is this one person? All it takes is one person. All it takes is one person going to the Lord and saying, God, we have messed up. God, we need You. He says, for your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. How could Daniel boldly say those things to God? Because God had said those things in His Word. Lord, please don't forget us or abandon us because we're Your people. God, please don't leave us because You... You've called us out. You, you blessed Abraham and you created a nation through Abraham, God, and you said we would be your people. Don't leave us. Forgive us. It's that reminder, Lord, people are watching us. They see our struggle. Please be gentle, not for our sake, but for your sake. For your great name. Daniel was cut to the core. He was hurt. He had read the Lord's Word where God spoke through Jeremiah and said He was going to have to punish the nation Israel. And he saw the pain that God was going through because His people had become rebellious. For generations, they had not done the one-year Sabbath that God had said, I want you to have to do this. I want the land to rest. The land shall rest. And it's going to be a testament to everyone that I am your God. And this land is mine. But they didn't do it. The kings didn't order it. The judges didn't decree it. 
And so the land had been worked over and over and over again. And so God said, okay, I'm going to kick you out of the land. The land will rest because you're not going to be in it. He saw the pain of the people that were going through was self-inflicted. Sometimes we walk around with self-inflicted wounds, don't we? How many times do we mess up and ask God to fix it? It's like your own kids. Right? They don't want help until they've made such a big ball of a mess. I remember Elijah learning how to tie his shoes. And he would make so many knots on the shoe that at the end of the day, he couldn't get his foot out of it. It would just be knot upon knot upon knot. And then at the end of the day, after he had made that big ball of mess, he'd be like, Dad, can you help? The easiest thing to do would be to cut his foot out of that thing. But you'd have to sit there and untwine and undo each little strand to save what was left. And that's what God does in our life is we make these big balls of mess and we go to God and we say, God, Dad, can you fix this? I know I haven't been doing what I should be doing, but now I want you to fix this because I messed it up. I've been looking at things. I've been doing things. I've been saying things. I've not been doing things that I should. He saw that the nation Israel had been driving a wedge between them and the Lord. And now it was bringing literal pain into their lives. And it was paining him to observe. And he felt broken. You skip to chapter 10, we see that the same thing is happening. He had spent three full weeks now fasting and praying. In verses 2, 3, and 4, we see it says Daniel had been mourning for three weeks. I, Daniel, have been mourning for three weeks. I didn't eat any tasty food or meat or wine. And I didn't let them enter my mouth. Nor did I use any ointment. He didn't oil himself like everybody else did to make themselves look good and their skin all nice and shiny. He didn't do any of that stuff. He's, he wore sackcloth. He was in mourning. He, he felt guilty. He felt bad. He didn't want it to look like a time of celebration. And on the 24th day of the first month while I was at the bank of the river, that is the Tigris I lifted my eyes and there was a certain man dressed in fine linen. Daniel was seeking answers for over three weeks and nothing. Imagine praying the same prayer over and over and over and over again. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us. Lord, give answers because we don't know what we're doing. I'm not talking about some of your prayers that are, Lord, I would like to be a millionaire. Okay? Some of you pray that one over and over and over again. But this is about praying God's will and plan for your life. 
And he was praying that, Lord, what is the will? What is your plan in all this? I need to understand it. Help us to get back into your will, Lord. Help us to get back onto the track that we're supposed to be in. Lord, why can't I hear you? This was Daniel. The one that when the angel came and and saw him, he said, highly esteemed one of God. You know what that means to be highly esteemed of God? That means in the throne room of God, in the heavenlies, that God is telling people about you. That God is speaking to the angels and saying, hey, have you considered my man Daniel? Did you know what he did when the king of Babylon told him never to pray again? Have you considered considered my man Daniel? When all the other kids had been taken into captivity, him and three others, they didn't eat the king's food. That's what it means to be highly esteemed of God. But for some reason, God's not answering them now. He's not getting the breakthrough that he's praying for. We find out why in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10 through 13. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he spoke this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, Your words were heard. Daniel, three weeks ago, God heard your prayer. Daniel, three weeks ago, when you started your prayer and your fasting, God heard your words. And I have come in response to your words. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. What's taking place? Daniel prays three weeks before. He's he's praying, he's fasting, he's he's searched the Scriptures, he's found this Scripture that says, hey, listen, we've messed up, we need to go back to God, we need to talk to God, ask Him for forgiveness, and then ask God how to make things right, and he's going and trying to do that, but nothing's happening. But now we get the background scene of why nothing's happening, because Gabriel comes and he's like, hey, Daniel, guess what? I was sent the day that you prayed to God. But the day that you prayed to God, Satan, he went to battle. And he sent the prince of Persia to try to defeat me and to hold me off. Listen, Satan will do anything he can to stop your prayers, to discourage you from growing. 
He wants to do anything to keep you from asking God to intervene on your behalf. He'll do anything He can for you to stop praying and asking and believing that God can. He'll do anything He can to stop your pleading, to minimize your understanding, to hinder your prayer life, to keep you from praying and feel discouraged because a discouraged person discourages others. He doesn't want you to ask for guidance. He doesn't want you to ask for help. Satan wants to steal your hope so you give up on your request. And here we have that example. He's fighting. He's pushing off. He's trying to keep Daniel. But what does Daniel do? He's fasting. He keeps on praying. He keeps on asking. He keeps on fasting. He gets more and more serious. And what did Jesus say? This kind doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. When we want things to change in our life, we need to get serious about it, right? You know, it's like when we go to the doctor and the doctor, we've known for a while that we're a little overweight and things like that, and the doctor does the EKG and he's like, hey, guess what? Your heart's suffering. You need to lose some weight. That's when we get serious. When the pain is on, that's when we get serious. That's when the diet takes place. That's when we start exercising regularly. And here, Daniel's feeling the pain. He's feeling the heat. So what does he do? He goes to God in prayer and in fasting. And he says, Lord, I don't know what to do here, so I'm going to you and I'm doing the only thing I know how to do, which is I'm going without because I want within. He's crying out. And this kind doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says this. Actually, let's start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're not battling with our bosses. You're not battling your boss. You're not battling your spouse. You're not struggling against your children. That neighbor that plays the loud music at all hours of the night, you're not battling them even. The person you see physically is not the one that you're struggling against. The person you see is the person you need to go to battle for, not with. Amen? Daniel prayed, realizing he wasn't battling Babylon. 
Did Daniel ever pick up a sword against Babylon and say, oh, let's start this rebellion now? No, what did he do? He prayed and he fasted and said, hey, Lord, we're in captivity, but I know this captivity isn't from these people. I know this captivity is from something else. Lord, I need you to do something big and great. Daniel prayed and he fasted and he used King, and what did God do? He used King Cyrus to do a decree to rebuild Jerusalem. And if you want to see strongholds crumble in your life, if you want to see hearts opened towards the Lord, if you want to receive understanding and wisdom from God's Word, if you want to see amazing things happen and the promises of God stand true in your life, if you want to experience the fullness of His relationship that He wants with you, if you want to see spiritual miracles take place in the physical, if you want to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, your Lord, if you want to say to this mountain, this spiritual mountain that's standing in your way, move from here and be thrown into the ocean, then you need weapons that are not of this world. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You need weapons that are not of your own. You need weapons that are of heavenly use. You need something that's bigger and stronger than you and on your side. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 down to 6. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations of every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of our God. And we're taking up every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. The other day I saw a movie with the kids. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. It is. It's a great movie. Very gory. i give you a warning. But it was basically, you could see this very thing lived out within that movie. It takes place in World War II. A guy named Desmond, true story, decides he's going to be a conscientious objector, but still enlist into the infantry. He says that he believes that he can go ahead and go through war without holding a single gun or pointing it at anybody. And he would do better good patching people up as a medic. Well, there's a whole backstory. People hate him for it. He's beat up. right? The, the, the army tries to lock him up forever or get him dishonorably discharged. 
And in the end, he wins out. He goes into the battlefield. And all of it comes together because he sees God's plan and purpose for that struggle. As he saves 75 people from death. Something that no one could have done except through the power and might of God. Imagine going to war without a single gun, without a grenade, a knife, or a single bullet, but having that big of an impact. That's what the Bible's calling you to do. It's calling you to go to war without a single bullet, without a single gun, without a single grenade, without a, a bomb to your name, without a bullet, without a gun, without any of those things. But with the greatest arsenal. The power and strength of God above. Because this kind doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. When Paul says, hey listen, what we have can tear down disobedience. He's talking about the prayer that's in your life. It destroys speculation. and It destroys people being clever against God. That's prayer and fasting in your life. It's good for the divine destruction of fortresses, the strongholds that Satan tries to put in your life. That's prayer and fasting in your life. The weapons of prayer, Scripture, and fasting. They get heaven to act and react and move on the behalf of God's children. They cause spiritual battles to erupt, to open paths, to, to tear down mountains, to bring down strongholds. It may take a moment, or like in Daniel's case, it might take three weeks. But are you ready to get down on your knees and call out to God? Are you ready to, to seek Him in His Word and when it hits you to the core and you see something that applies to you and to, and to your life and to your church and to your, to your community, to your, to your nation? To go to the Lord on behalf of it? Are you crying out and fasting for revival in your life? That's what Daniel was doing. He was calling for a revival of, of Israel. Lord, bring us back! He wasn't saying bring us back as a nation. He was saying bring us back to you. Are you asking for God to open up heaven's door and pour out His blessing and send His angels to fight on your behalf? And don't give up. Because the battle's His. Matthew chapter 16. One final thought. 
18 and 19. When Peter's being questioned about who Jesus is and all these different things, you know, he gives this amazing answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Jesus gives this response. And the response is more to you and me than it really is to Peter. He says, I say you're Peter, verse 18, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the kings of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Church, your prayer life regains the ground for God's work. The church coming together in God's name takes back the soil that Satan is trying to spoil. Let's get on our knees. Let's go to Him in prayer and fasting. Let's retake the ground. Amen. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.